Hi, my name is Val Capone, and I like wrestling, roller derby, and rock and roll. Do you like to sit around for a while? Found yourself a little pet crocodile. Do you like to just live in the moment? Do you like the stars and moon in the comments? What do you like, do you like? 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 Welcome to What Do You Like, the podcast where we get to know a person through their passions and hobbies. Today is a very special interview, and I'm going to start this interview by saying that podcasting is not as easy as you think, and uh, the fact, I may be a millennial, <laughs> but my understanding of technology is not nearly as good as it should be, and I'll right out in front and say this we already did this interview once with our esteemed guest today um but unfortunately i have no idea how to use a computer <laughs> and it got lost to time oh. but i think this speaks a lot to our guest that she is graciously sitting with me once again we're doing this one in person uh, this is officially the first in-person interview that's being released. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a brief intro on this. This person is someone, if you're from Chicago and in, involved in, related to the Cubs, related to the bar scene, related to roller derby, related to wrestling, you've seen this person. She is probably one of the most recognizable people in some circles in Chicago. Um, she has a, a very esteemed history and we'll go into all that. We, I want to welcome the wonderful Val Capone to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Val. Thank you, Jeremy. Can I call you cousin Jeremy since we're in the pro wrestling tea store? Yeah, you, you absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, like your, your name here. It is. It, it is. It was not my first nickname, but it is my more preferred nickname. Oh, oh my. Um, uh, we won't get into that. That'll okay. that'll be on the Patreon one day. <laughs> um, got to pay for that content, folks. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but again, I just want to start by saying thank you again of for course. sitting with me to having this conversation again. Um, we touched on a lot of great things in the first one. Unfortunately, I have no idea how to edit and. No, the internet is a strange and scary place. And, uh, you know, it's probably, I'm a, you know, Val Capone. Maybe it's locked up in a vault that one day Geraldo Rivera will find and there will be nothing in there but a chair and your podcast. And that's really dates me to tells you how, <laughs> it tells you how old oh, I am no. and what a dweeb I am, but that's okay. Yeah. No, I, and that's funny. That's when Geraldo Rivera is more respected, which is kind of. Uh, yeah, interesting. And in how there was imagine the dark days yeah. <laughs> when Geraldo respect was respected. Yeah. Um, but we're talking today about your passions, and okay. your passions specifically are probably two things that necessarily wouldn't you wouldn't think go together, but actually are way more linked than anyone really understands. And that is wrestling and roller derby. Yeah. Um, they oddly enough go very they're you know two great things that taste great together kind of thing um 
It depends on who you talk to. Some people hate that concept. Some people love that concept. I live that concept every single day of my life, so I'm very thankful for it. Um, you know, I grew, I grew up roller skating, and um, I found roller derby at a time that my life, I guess, needed me to. And um, I've always been into wrestling since I was a little girl. And then when I hung up my skates, although I still do commentating for roller derby, um, I was able to travel a lot more. I wasn't tied up every single day of the week at a practice or a meeting or fundraiser. So then I started going to wrestling quite a bit more. And yeah, now I work full-time in wrestling. Um, we are in the middle of a pandemic, so roller derby's kind of on pause. But um, I work here at Pro Wrestling Tees. I work with Freelance, Freelance Underground, Warrior Wrestling, and Zello Pro. And it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think that that speaks a lot to pro wrestling that pro wrestling is even uh, pandemic proof. That I mean, to a certain extent, yes. Uh, yeah. Whether or not it should still be happening remains to be seen. There's a lot of question marks there. I, uh, I understand a lot of those reservations and hesitations. I often have them myself. Am I doing the right thing? Am I promoting the right positive message? But, um, you know, I'm also a high-risk individual because I have some pretty severe chronic illnesses. Um, but I try to be as safe as I can, and I get tested before and after every show to make sure I don't have COVID or anything. Um, that could potentially be risky to any of my coworkers or fans. Yeah, so I don't know. Um Pro wrestling in and of itself is kind of surreal. So the fact that like yeah. 95% of our everyday is on, you know, limited um, activities, I guess, you know, I, I don't want to say lockdown because it sounds like it's such a punishment when it's not, you're not doing anything wrong by helping out your fellow human by limiting your socializing. Sure. You know, so I hate saying lockdown, but it's like the shelter at home orders when they yeah. get put in place. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, pro wrestling still surviving is pretty surreal and pretty awesome in and of itself. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think, I mean, yeah, that's what I'll say on that. <laughs> uh, but I mean, so obviously wrestling is one of them. Roller derby. Where did this, these two passions start in your life? Um, so when I was a kiddo, both my parents worked in music. They were both roadies of some variety, whether it be moving gear, production management, assistant, had a security. I mean, my dad was like a bodyguard for Kiss for a while, because if you ever hear me talk about my favorite human that's alive, that's my father. His nickname, or not even his nickname, his name is Tall Dad, because he's, he's a giant. And he's actually drinking beers with Andre the Giant, as he'll tell me whenever he sees me wearing Andre the Giant shirt. Yeah. Do, do other people call him Tall Dad or just you? You know what's funny is so many people started calling my dad Tall Dad. Like they'll see him, right? Because he's he's about seven feet tall. Holy so cow. they'll say, I know. I'm only so short. I'm like five, nine and a half. Um, I'm only so short because I got in a car accident in high school. So it's done in my growth. So I stopped. I'm not a giant like my father. But um, he rides his bicycle everywhere because he's like too big for cars. Um, so he doesn't drive. So he rides his bicycle everywhere, like all year round. Like I roller skate everywhere, you know, until the weather got lousy. I was still skating here to work every single day, like two and a half, three miles each way. 
And so people would be like, yo, tall dad, when they see him riding down the street. Because he's he's a very distinct individual. Like, if you think I'm familiar to most people in the Chicago, you know, indie wrestling, roller derby, music scene at Wrigley, like, my dad is, like, legend status. I mean, legit. His, his actual name doesn't even get used, so I'm not even going to say his actual name because, you know, tall dad is his actual name because that's what I call him. But also Jolly is his actual oh. name because Jolly Roger because he's so he's such a giant. He was always called Jolly, like Jolly Green Giant. Mm-hmm. But he was working with Kiss just before I was born. And Gene Simmons was like, Jolly, what the hell is your last name? You look like a pirate. <laughs> so he started calling him Jolly Roger. So, oh. yeah, my ent- to the point where everybody thinks my last name is Rogers. I'm like, first off, it would be Roger. Second off, it's not Rogers. But thanks for playing. It's really funny though when people call him Papa Capone and stuff like that. He's like, "We're not even Italian." I'm like, "It's it's gonna be okay, Dad. It's cool." But yeah. So uh, anyway, so Tall Dad and um, my mother worked in music my whole life, uh-huh. and so a lot of times they'd be on the road. And if I wasn't able to go on the road with them because of school and such, I'd be staying with my little Jewish grandparents, you know. And so they didn't want me to hang out with all the old bubbies at the mall. That's what my grandma would always say. So she would take me to the roller rink. And so when I was like six, seven years old, I started roller skating and then just kind of became obsessed with it and um, found out about roller derby starting here in Chicago in 1935. And when it initially started, it was like an endurance race, you know, where it was like trying to simulate the distance in miles between L.A. and New York. So it was like 3000 laps was the first like transcontinental roller derby race yeah like like one day like yeah like an endurance thing so like holy cow you would skate as many laps as you could and then as your teammate i would come in okay and i would wrap it up it's like flagpole sitting telephone booth stuffing dance marathons like the crazy stuff that people do in the 30s and 40s that was like so awesome and absolutely insane at the same time a pre-tv world yeah exactly (laughs) Like you, you'd hang around and listen to the Victrola to catch up on your news. You know what yeah. I mean? But anyway, so um, I saw roller derby because my tall dad lived above a bar right across the street from Wrigley Field. Like my parents were split. My mom's not in the picture. Um, so when I was with my dad, I'd be at Wrigley Field, basically. When I was with my little Jewish grandmother, I'd be in the suburbs. So I kind of had the best of both worlds, right? So Tall Dad and I would go downstairs to the bar when I was like six, seven years old, and I'd eat like a grilled cheese, and he'd be like watching the Cubs game or whatever. And um, we would sometimes try to watch like the Saturday game of the week because the Blackhawks weren't televised back when I was a kid. Like that's another world that people don't understand yeah. You when you're like, oh yeah, the Blackhawks were never on TV. The Chicago Blackhawks were, their home games were not televised because the owner said, unless you're a season ticket holder, unless you're coming to see my team in person, you don't deserve to see them because he was crazy. So we would go downstairs and watch hockey or a Cubs game. And then after that would be like wrestling. And then after that, if it was late enough, which maybe a seven-year-old shouldn't have been at a bar that late, (laughs) but that's okay, um, there would be roller derby. So I became like obsessed with it. And if you ever see me in person and you want (laughs) to – ask me about it that's cool um every single one of my teeth are chipped and broken like i don't know if you could see that every single one because like 
can oh wow oh my top teeth yeah i mean they don't look that bad because like you know i take care of my chompers yeah but i would like roller skate all over the streets of chicago and be like it's cool man i'm tough i'm a roller skater and then i broke all my teeth like yeah. an idiot so yeah and then meanwhile my love of wrestling was cultivated because of again my father working in music and working in show production um we toured with ozzy now that sounds very cool when you're like in 2020 and you're like holy shnikes ozzy osbourne holy the prince of darkness you know like crazy trained yeah we were on it it, it was actually dire of a madman that was a tour that um we did and then <clears throat> but i was a, a toddler so i mean i was more excited about like like catering which yeah. actually honestly right now i'd still be probably more excited about yeah. catering but so uh if you recall wrestlemania uh two was a triple cast new york la chicago aka rosemont horizon yes and um <clears throat> ozzy escorted out the british bulldogs right mm -hmm. for the tag match and so in my brain, I was like, yeah, that was the first time I ever saw wrestling live. I was like seven. Yeah, in 86, I was seven because I'm old, but that's okay. I'm fabulous. <laughs> um, and I was like, yo, dad, that's that's why I started watching wrestling, right? That was like the first match I saw, right? Or, you know, card. And he was like, no, you had been going since before you could talk. You've been seeing wrestling virtually as long as you've been alive i was like oh well that's cool i don't really remember it but we went because of ozzy right you know because he escorted out british bulldog uh -huh. <laughs> no it's because i was the ld at the slammies which first off goes my brain when he told me that i was like what ld is lighting director uh -huh. so he helped run the show from the technician technical background i guess i like being a he set up the lighting plots for the Slammies, which is like crazy because the Slammies don't even exist anymore. But back in the day, that was a pretty cool thing. Now, this is I'm I'm into wrestling as well, but <laughs> I now I just something just popped in my head. It, it was that the were was that the Slammies that Vince McMahon did his little dance number at? I I mean I don't. I don't know. I'll have to ask my dad if he had yeah. to shine a light on Vinnie Mac. If that is the case, like that is an even <laughs> even more impressive. Well, but that's like the first wrestling show I remember being at. And then I also remember because I was like, oh, Refrigerator Perry, right? Because we're big sports uh -huh. fans in my house. Like I have a Bears and a Cubs tattoo. And um, we're not Sox haters. We support the White Sox. It's Chicago first, mm -hmm. baseball team second. We're just Cub fans that are also fans of the White Sox, not White Sox. People always ask me, they're like, sure. you can't be a fan of both teams. I'm like, first off, you should probably get a life. Second off, <laughs> yes, I can. Unless they play each other, I always want to see the team from Chicago be the best team in the world. Hmm. That all being said, um, that was the first time I ever saw women wrestling. And that like blew my mind. And I remember being like, whoa, daddy, you mean girls can wrestle? And it like blew my mind. And it was not so fabulous moolah. Versus Velvet McIntyre, Moolah won, unfortunately. But it was like th that combined with like my love of roller skating, like seeing that women can be tough and gorgeous, and my love of roller skating and watching roller derby kind of oddly at the same time in that same period of my life, like shaped who I was, I guess, because I could still look really glamorous with glitter on. I'm showing him my glitter on my eyeshadow right now, everyone listening at home. <laughs> Um, can't but I, confirm. But I can still also like change a keg and like 
carry cases and you know what I mean? Like you get you could be badass and and a babe at the same time. I like to think I'm living proof of that. But yeah, so I don't know. I was really lucky that right time, right place. I had a really uh, interesting upbringing. And so my passions that came out of this weird, I guess, not weird to me, but weird to conventional lifestyle was like roller skating, wrestling, and music. So roller derby and wrestling just make so much sense to me. It's, it's like people joke about this carny lifestyle and I was like whoa 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 roadies we're just like carnies we're like one notch on the food chain higher because we could get you backstage to meet the band yeah but you know so I mean I never feel more at home than when I'm at like a sporting event a concert or at a wrestling show so I feel very very thankful uh as the kids say hashtag blessed I think do they still say that I don't don't know. know I'm Again, I said I'm a millennial, but I don't identify with <laughs> a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But so so obviously a, a very non-traditional upbringing. It totally is normal to have a seven foot tall, long haired, no teeth father and a very teeny little Jewish grandmother to raise you. It's totally normal. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Seven, seven feet. I, I know a bunch of people Vietnam veteran. Seven badass. feet tall. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. very common. <laughs> Man, I just came. I'm having a hard time fathoming seven feet tall. I mean, I'm like six two when I'm on my roller skates, but like flat foot, yeah. I'm five nine and a half. I'm like seven foot on a ladder. <laughs> um, I okay, maybe. I'd be very tall. On a ladder. It have to be a pretty tall ladder. Um, <laughs> but so obviously growing up and not the uh, not, not in a non-tradi- traditional yeah non traditional. Sure. I think fine. I don't think that. No, but, I'm not offended. Yeah. It takes a lot to offend me. What was it like um like when you went to school? Like what? Cuz obviously th- we're talking again late 80s early 90s and that school age. Yeah. Um wrestling so is a huge thing. Wrestling was huge. Um I definitely was not a cool kid, which is funny because everybody's like, "Wow, that's so cool. You toured with Ozzy and you grew up going to shows." And I was like, yeah, no, it was not cool. I got made fun of mercilessly. But then I just kind of like I was a straight A student. I was in every play and every musical. I had my grandmother that adored me, my father that always instilled confidence in me. So I really am I allowed to swear? Yeah, you can say. Okay, I really didn't give a fuck what people thought because my grades said I was cool. You know, I skipped like a grade and a half. Like I was a year and a half younger than every person in my class, which that part was challenging. But like. My grandma, who baked cookies for everybody in school, she thought I was cool. My seven-foot-tall dad thought I was cool as hell, you know? So I didn't care. Um, It was definitely weird to be, like, the only girl that watched wrestling. Uh Because there wasn't a lot of, like, I I couldn't, like, talk to my friends in grade school about wrestling because they'd be like, oh, you're so weird. Why Why do you like a guy that wears a skirt? And I was like, it's a kilt. And he's Rowdy Roddy Piper. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, he's Scottish. You're such, you're so mean. It's a kilt. <laughs> like, and I, we used to have cockatiels. So I would put them on my shoulder and I would dance around the house like I was Coco Beware. Wow. And like little girls, quote unquote, didn't do that. But whereas my my family was like, yeah, little girls do that. That's cool. And, you know, I had like Castle Grayskull right next to She-Ra's Crystal Castle. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like it was pretty fun. 
I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll say this. My So growing up, my dad's side of the family were big wrestling fans. My mom, not at all. But my uncle, to this day, shares a story about my mom going to a wrestling show with my dad's family and Coco Beware coming out. And her, and this is a few, a few adult beverages in. Yeah. Just going crazy, flapping her arms. Oh, yeah. I used to dance all around the house yeah. and pretend I was the bird woman. Like, I thought yeah. I was the coolest thing on on the planet yeah. i probably was the dweebiest thing because i had like two cockatiels i didn't even wow. have like an actual parrot well parrot, <laughs> like, parrots are intense i know but you would think as a pirate's daughter i would have had a parrot <laughs> but no i had i had two i had the woolworth special i had two cockatiels but yeah i oh and then when i was in <clears throat> excuse me when i was like in high school age so i went to two elementary two junior high and two high school so because I moved a lot because my dad's job, wow. and then I spent half the time with my dad, half the time with my grandmother. You know what I mean? So it was either you talk to everyone uh, or you talk to nobody. So I bet you'll never guess which road I traveled. It was the I'm going to talk to everyone, and I'm going to be friends with everyone. Otherwise, you have, like, no friends, and then you're the kid that, like, doesn't talk to anyone. I don't know. Yeah. So I just started, like, being <clears throat> super friendly and inviting everybody to the roller rink at all times. Which, again, not a cool thing to do, but it worked out really well for me later on in life because I've traveled the whole world because of my roller skates. So that worked yeah. out really well. But, um, geez, I don't know. I mean, in high school, I graduated high school early, too. Before I had all the concussions and I figured out the joys of alcohol, I used to be very, very smart. <laughs> now I'm just a smart ass rather than a smarty. I used to be a smarty pants. Now I'm a smart ass. But so like I started college when I was 17. So again, like the kids in college were more interested in like getting messed up. Whereas I was like, I'm 17. I can't wait till I can vote. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so, but I definitely went to like a lot of punk rock shows because for me, again, music was my family's business, like the production of live music in particular. So I started going to see like punk rock bands because that was my dad's job. And I like I the first boy I ever wanted to marry was Adam Adrock Horovitz of the Beastie Boys. And my grandma said it was cool because he was a nice Jewish boy. So it worked mm -hmm. out well. And then like I fell in love with Mile Ackerman from The Descendants. And like so I started like listening to all these rad punk rock bands and hearing about, oh, there's these underground shows. You know, I, I was very privileged in that I grew up right next door to the Metro Smart Bar so I had live music every day of the week and with my father's job of like running the Aragon and the Rib and the Vic theaters I saw live music every day so then I started figuring out like the underground like punk rock scene and uh, I ended up working which is <clears throat> kind of like a legendary in Chicago depending on your age group because it's funny because I'll talk to some people especially people that we work with here at Pro Wrestling Tees I'm definitely one of the oldest people that work here yeah it's a young crowd here it, it is and yeah. that's okay because what's cool about the crowd here is that like you would never know that until you start saying stuff like yeah fireside yeah bowl and they're like oh yeah i went bowling there i'm like oh god no roaches would crawl but i'm thinking about fireside in the mid 90s <laughs> some of them weren't even alive you know that's yeah which is a little rough <laughs> a little rough on the ego here but 
Um, so I started working at like punk rock shows and again, like in my brain, because of the way that my seven foot tall father and my teeny little Jewish grandmother, um, my maternal grandmother, by the way, my mom's side of the family oh. is Jewish. My dad's side of the family is Irish Catholic. I guess we're white trash. I don't know. I'm proud of it. I love my family. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, uh, you know, I was working at Fireside Bowl. I was always told I could, you know, do anything regardless of my gender. I had uh. a ton of support in that realm. I could wear sweatpants or a dress. Nobody cared. You know, they were like, you're a good kid, Charlie Brown, whatever. Mm-hmm. But so I was always the, um, for a long time, I was the only girl that worked there. And I'd always refer to myself as a door guy. And people would be like, you're the door girl. I'm like, well, sometimes I'm the door girl. But usually I'm the door guy because I kick you out for underage drinking or banging in the bathroom or getting into fistfights or trying to set fire to the stage or whatever stupid punk rock kids do. You know? So that stuff's not allowed at a punk rock show? No, you should never bang in a bathroom stall at a punk rock show. Okay. You're definitely going to catch at least... 12 diseases <laughs> especially at fireside bowl in the 90s Woof. <laughs> but so because of that i got to know a lot of the people because i was always taking money at the door dealing with guest lists blah 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 <clears throat> and one of the people that i met there was a gentleman that in the wrestling community is known in chicago as dr keith um he's one of the producers camera operators talent bookers he's he's a he's a catch-all kind of dude for aaw and um he was really good friends with my the dude I was dating for a number of years. So we'd always watch wrestling together. And again, I was like the only girl that watched wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like nobody watched wrestling. It was not cool. Uh, but that's how I knew my boyfriend at the time loved me actually. <laughs> because for one year for my uh, birthday, which is very close to both Hanukkah and Christmas. So don't ever make the mistake and buy me one present unless it's something really bodacious. Cause January 2nd is a very hard birthday. Yeah. But the dude that I was dating at the time got me the WrestleMania 1 through 13 VHS box set. And that's how I knew he was like in love with me. (laughs) But so Dr. Keith and I would, we'd always like watch wrestling. We'd get the pay-per-views, split a pizza kind of thing. And, uh, and then somehow I lost touch with him just because of life and whatever. And then we started seeing each other at shows again sometimes and it was right about when the windy city rollers were starting up in 2004 and i was one of the founding members like i was the first person recruited or second person recruited for the windy city rollers which is the women's flat track derby association team the first one there's two now here in chicago the other one is called the chicago outfit um and so we were doing like fundraisers and i asked keith if he would like MC it because he and I always like woo whenever we saw each other and I knew that like he knew wrestling and so he could like mean Gene it or Howard Finkel it or whatever you know uh, he could you know even if he just Michael buffered it and yelled into a microphone for 25 minutes it's, <laughs> it would have been fine so it was funny because that's right when AAW was starting up so around the same time yeah. that Windy City Rollers started so did AAW and actually at one of our first shows the people who started riot fest we're also checking out the venue that we were working at so eventually i started working with riot fest also because it's like all right punk rock music diy attitude yeah it's crazy how 2004 was such an integral year in my life (laughs) because it kind of brought everything together like the roller derby the wrestling and the rock and roll 
Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that last time, but it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. 2004, that, it, what up? That, that, I mean, that I think uh, one thing uh, we, we I think we talked about before, but also uh, it seems to be a pretty common theme in, in talking about to people about their passions is a lot of what um, kind of drives us towards certain passions, it just almost seems like right place, right time. Oh, 100%. Um, and like we're almost like it's, it's very much uh, a nature versus nurture idea of our passions um but what is different by each person is where they take them yeah um and i think that's that's a real interesting part that's the the nurture part um of each kind of passion like i was super lucky don't get me wrong i had a pretty rough road for a while but i was very lucky that um regardless of whatever ridiculous passions i had the two most important humans in my life are very supportive well my grandmother passed away in 2007 but until the day she died, it was very, very supportive. <laughs> in fact, she was like living in um, an assisted living community. And then right before she passed, she had to like live in the hospital side of it. And I was featured on one of the posters or something like that. And so there was this photo shoot that I had to do. So yeah, she passed in 2000. Yeah, 2006. Cause I, it was our second season uniforms. And I'm kind of like looking over my shoulder and I look super cute. Like I look like a mega babe, you know, I look athletic and strong, but like cute little dimple, you know, right there. (laughs) And I'm like looking over my shoulder and it's a darling little poster. And I look at it. She had put a piece of electrical tape over my butt because she thought my uniform was too short. (laughs) And I was like, grandma, what, what, what is with that? And she goes, why you want me to show the whole world you took us and i was like oh my gosh (laughs) she was the best but um i don't know i was very lucky I, i had two very supportive people with all my endeavors and um you know for roller derby um i retired from skating a couple like two seasons ago or something like that it feels like 20 years ago but it was really i think like two years ago technically because i did 15 i was starting my 15th season because we did like back-to-back seasons to try to flip them to run with the national schedule. But I mean, in those 15 seasons that I skated and in the 16, almost 17 years that I've been involved in roller derby or whatever, 16, yeah, 16. This spring will be 17. Um, I have been a skater, a commentator, and a coach. And whether it be on wheels, on mic, or on the bench hollering at the track. I've toured the entire world like multiple times. I was lucky enough to be an assistant coach for the USA Men's Roller Derby program at the first ever Men's Roller Derby World Cup in 2014. So I'm actually like a gold medal coach, which is kind of crazy. It's kind of surreal that I've coached at like an Olympic level. Who knew? Um, I got MVP playing a game in Paris, France. Like what? Wow. <laughs> yeah, who knew? Who knew a girl that got hit by a semi could one day and lived, by the way, I'm still alive. Uh-huh. Well, you're not a ghost sitting <laughs> no. in front of me. Okay. I mean, it is Halloween season. I know. I'm, so. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm still wearing, a little nervous. I'm wearing pumpkins, Mickey Mouse bats and pumpkins. Um, But yeah, so who knew that a girl that got hit by a semi could then learn how to hit people like a truck, talk about people hitting each other like trucks, and then coach people to hit like trucks. Who knew? It's beautiful, man, <laughs> man. I, and in knowing you, it makes a lot of sense, but obviously 
let's go back to how you even got involved. So obviously you're watching roller derby as a kid. How do you start doing it? Like, like <laughs> okay. So again, I've always like, I'm very gender fluid, I guess. Like I've never done anything because girls should do it or women should do it or boys should do it. or men. I just do it because I do it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was working at this club that RIP Flatiron just closed for good. But prior to being the Flatiron in Wicker Park here in Chicago, it was called the Blue Note. And again, I was a door guy that happened to be a girl. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I also cocktailed there and bar back there. And then I ended up bartending there for almost 20 years. And one of our DJs was like, hey, yo, how do you feel about roller derby? Because I, I would like wear my skates because I'm that guy, you know. And I was like, oh, I fucking love it. I saw it in Austin when I was down there for South by Southwest. I wish we would get it here in Chicago, man. You know, because. Is that how you sounded back then? Apparently in 2004, that's exactly how I talked. Gotcha. Um, But so he was like, well, actually, I do graphic design. That's my full-time gig. And I'm doing some work for these women out of Tucson that are starting up a league with the help of the women in Texas that you've seen. And they're trying to help women in other cities get started. And that's kind of how the Windy City Rollers got started. Because our two founders, um, Sister Sledgehammer and Wanna Rumble, were down in Austin, Texas on a bike marathon thing they were doing. And then they met a girl that played roller derby there. So because before the World Wide Web was really a thing, because it was you know late 90s, early 2000s, it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like message boards and email groups like yahoo groups were like a big thing oh yeah i remember that oh my god that was like my nightmare (laughs) um so he put me in touch with those two women and those two women were like yes you need to be a part of this because he goes so there's these two girls that are looking for a bat a bunch of badass good looking broads that know a lot of people and you were the first person i could think of and i was like oh that's a mildly offensive statement sir but yeah no sign me up dude you know, because again, in 2004, that's how I talked. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> as a badass, good looking broad that knows a lot of people, I'm proud of that bizarre interaction that changed the course of my life forever. I haven't seen that guy probably since 2004, but it's like so crazy that like a chance meeting at a bar that I worked at that I would break up fights at, yeah. that I would bartend until five in the morning and kick people out at 6 a.m. changed my life. And you know, uh, helped me be a part of a movement that was so important to so many people because there, there isn't, you know, now it's a lot more acceptable, but like I tried to join the wrestling team in high school and I got told, well, you're a girl. And I was like, yeah, but you have to take plates off my leg press when I'm done on, on the machine. Like, are you worried that, yeah, I'm a girl and I would beat you? Or that I could bench press my body weight and you can't handle not looking at my boobs. Like, come on. (laughs) And then I got hit by a semi in a car accident. So my aspirations of being an athlete were 100% curtailed um, because they were like, oh, you're never going to walk again normally. And I was like, fuck you, I'm 16. And I went to physical therapy forever. And it was a big old nightmare, but um, it worked out well. And then, you know, that was in 95. So just about 10 years later is when these conversations of starting roller derby started. And I had always been roller skating like my whole life, whether it just be for shits and giggles or for transportation or birthday parties or what have you. 
So it all just kind of like made sense for like, plus it was like punker than fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a bunch of badass women that were like, oh, you, I'm sorry. You want to tell us we have to do what? No, we're going to tell you what <laughs> we are going to do, not what you think we have to do. And it was pretty cool. And then, you know, for a long time, women's roller derby, I should, you know, originally in the 30s, it was co-ed. It was like the only sport that I can think of. So, like, honestly, that was truly co-ed because like, but even then, like the men would go in for a jam and then the next jam would be the women. So we, we'd we be teammates, but we'd never be on the track together. Uh -huh. So it still had to evolve to that next level. And then eventually the women that were playing roller derby, it wasn't women's roller derby. It's just roller derby. And I kind of love that. Mm -hmm. um, but I also hated the fact that women were like, this is our sport. It's like, no, this is a sport that we dominate. And yeah, we own it. But like everybody should be able to play regardless of gender. Whether you're male or female or whatever the, the part of the gender spectrum you're on, like it shouldn't matter. Like, do you want to skate and hit people legally and get hit legally? Like, cool, let's do it. Who cares? Like, what your gender is? You, you know, guys and gals and non-binary pals is like often how I try to talk to the wrestling audience. You know, sure. And it's the same thing with roller derby. It's like shouldn't matter your gender you know um so that's how i got into coaching because i got tired of hearing women say well this is our sport this is our sport and i was like i don't know for a bunch of feminists that sounds like you're not looking for <laughs> equality and i understand that you need the safe space i absolutely understand that concept but as a woman who's proud to be who she is i would never tell a guy you can't do that just because of your gender. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's how I got into coaching. Also, because I'm very loud. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could be standing at the back of the warehouse, and uh -huh. you would be able to hear me perfectly clean as day because I'm very, very loud. So Can you do that whistle thing with, like, your fingers? No, I don't. I whistle with my teeth, like... <laughs> holy cow yeah i don't know it's weird it's with my teeth that's not very loud because i don't want to hurt people's heads but um i have a very loud voice like i tend to have i don't know if it's because i grew up going to metal and punk rock shows because uh -huh. like here i am seeing every single iron maiden tour my entire life you know what i mean <laughs> like i don't know but like the yeah you know like yeah. it's like i can definitely get that metal growl i'm and, surprised your hearing isn't worse either uh no you know what um I always wore earplugs, like always, because I do have some issues with my hearing, especially on the right side, because when I was in the vehicle, we got hit head on, then my side of the car got hit, then the butt of the car got hit, and we almost got pushed over a guardrail. So it was like the undercarriage was on the ground, the wheels were in the air. It was gnarly, like super gnarly. And when the truck hit me, it like damaged my hearing in my right ear. So sometimes I'll be like talking to people like this, where I have to turn my my chin all the way to my right shoulder so I can fully hear people. But usually it's not too bad. But I, because of that, I was very cognizant of like, don't damage your hearing because you already have, I had muffle sounds for years. And like, it's not like if you break your ankle, you can get surgery and suddenly it'll get better. Like typically if you lose your hearing, it's just going to get worse from there. So I just remember being like a 16 year old going, I, I, 
want to hear music every day for the rest of my life. I don't want to lose my hearing. So yeah, I always have earplugs. I don't have them on me right now, but I almost always have them in my bag because you never know when you have to travel and your roommate's going to be a snorer. It's another reason to always have earplugs, kids. <laughs> that is that is very true. Yeah. As the snorer, I've been kicked out of a few hotel rooms. Oh, see, that's not your fault though. That's just like no. how your body processes yeah. sleeping. You it's, know, I mean, it's not like immediately kicked out, but it's like next time you go on a trip, there's now a snoring room. Yeah. For. I understand. I'm allergic to tree nuts, so like I'm always in the room that has all the allergies. Oh wow. Yeah. That is even more responsible. <sighs> It's awful. <laughs> and it, it, I hear every single joke, so please don't make any. I've already heard them all, and none of them are good. But I'm, like, definitely allergic to nuts. And so uh, it definitely meant, like, no birthday parties. I, I, would, I would have to – let's go back to me being a dweeb as a kid. Um, <laughs> I used to have to bring, like, the little hostess cupcakes to birthday parties because I could never eat the birthday cake. So you'd bring your own cake? <laughs> yeah. But then check this out, right? So like things sometimes do change. You grow in and out of allergies, right? Um, and so when I was like 16, I accidentally ate something that had peanuts, even though my entire life I was told it will kill you. And I was like waiting to, to die. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the ER. And nothing happened. So then I was like, all right, let's get weird. So I went to McDonald's and I ordered like one of their Sundays. Because there was one right across the street from Wrigley Field for the majority of my life. And I was like, can I have um, peanuts on it, but only on one side? And so like, I try to eat and nothing happened. So now it's like cheating death every time I eat peanut butter. It's very exciting. Wow. I know it's. I know we're supposed to talk about passions, but I'm very passionate about peanut butter because I couldn't eat well, it for yeah. the first 16 years of my life. That, I mean... But you haven't you haven't ventured into tree nuts. You're still I so um, because like I said, I have a series of health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Crohn's disease, pretty gnarly, and so I typically eat a plant based or vegan diet. I do eat seafood, so clearly not vegan, but um, uh, I don't eat seafood a ton, mm-hmm. but just sometimes. And a lot of vegan food is tree nut based. So it's very, very harrowing for me. Like, it can be very scary. And I accidentally had um, vegan shortbread cookies. Well, I didn't. I had them. I didn't know that there were ground-up pecans in them. Oh. So I definitely know I'm still allergic to pecans because, like, three years ago, I had, like, they had to intubate me. Oh, yeah, wow. it was messed up. Drove myself to the ER as soon as I started feeling the reaction because I was going to go home and call an ambulance. And I'm like, or I might die before they get yeah. there. So, like, I walked into the ER with my giant EpiPen, like, ready to shoot. I'm like, should I shoot? Should I shoot? And and the nurse was looking at me like, no, you're already in the ER. Save that <laughs> shot. It's $700 yeah. or whatever it is, you know. I was like, oh, sh- so I shouldn't shoot? And she's like, no, you're already in the <laughs> ER. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I'm definitely still allergic to pecans. Okay. I haven't chanced it with anything else, and I was actually scheduled to um, start doing food challenges uh, per my doctor's discretion, like decision. You had to do it supervised under a doctor's care. But then um, this crazy pandemic happened, and so that's like the least priority right now. I can continue to not eat food. Yeah. There's people that need doctors way more than I do. Yeah, that's – yeah. Yeah. So 
Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, let, let's go back to um, roller derby. Mm-hmm. We, we touched on how you, you, you started it. Uh-huh. How I got started in it. Yes. I certainly didn't start it. Well, yes, yes. How you got started, and you're you're, you're integral person in the in the creation of like the Chicago roller derby scene. Yeah, actually, fun fact: the Windy City Rollers logo, which I have tattooed on my arm right there, Jeremy, um, is a skull and crossbones. But at the end of the crossbones are skate wheels, and um, the reason why this happened was because our original graphic designer, Broken Cherry, she's a retired skater. She was also friends with my dad. And what's my father's name? Jolly Roger. So Skull and Crossbones was on everything my entire life. And so I was like, what if we like had a logo that was like Skull and Crossbones, but like wheels on it? And then she like put the eyelashes and all the finishing touches. But And originally the Windy City Rollers colors were supposed to be pink and black. And I was like, hey, just because I'm a just because I'm a girl doesn't mean I want to wear pink every day. Not everything has to be pink just to be femme, you know? Yeah. And you don't have to be femme to be a woman or female identifying. Like, you don't have to. So what about, like, black and blue because of, like, bruises and, like, the Chicago flag is blue and, you know, Cubs and Bears blue. Yeah. You know? So they went with that, but they kind of made it teal. But our logo is what it is because of my dad. Wow, so, so you right? you were connected in so many ways <laughs> to the history of a lot of things here. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> so we talked about roller derby. Where, when did like you kind of move into wrestling a little bit more and like a, a more professional? Okay, so not just being a lady mark because I'm very proud to be a lady mark. People yep. throw around the term mark like it's a bad thing. And I don't think it is if you harness your energy for good and not evil. And if you're not like not a creep, <laughs> then I think marking out is totally cool mm-hmm. and it should be supported. Because if you're not passionate about something, why do it? You know? Yep. Um, but so basically, and the reason why I brought him up earlier is because I knew he, this question would come up. Uh, Dr. Keith, he's my bro from way back when. Mm-hmm. Um. when he was helping me with Windy City Rollers in 2004, AAW was starting shortly after us. And so he was like, hey, you should come check it out. So I would go and support AAW because hell yeah, wrestling. And it's like super punk rock, DIY, you know. And then um, flash forward to a couple years ago. uh, Geez, I don't even remember when I started really going to every single show. I really don't. Maybe maybe 2014. No, it must have been 20 Well, cuz I got very sick, like gravely ill 2013, 2014, and then 2015 I had some life-saving surgery because of the Crohn's. Mm-hmm. So it was around then that I was going to like shows constantly because I couldn't physically play roller derby cuz I had to be on the IL, the injured or the IR, the injured reserve, because mm-hmm. I had seventy five percent of my intestines cut out, so I couldn't really like get hit in the guts. Yeah. Um. So around that time frame, I was going to shows all the time, and then in twenty sixteen, he messaged me and was like, "Yo, are you coming to the show tonight?" I said, "Yeah, I'll be there right after I get done working at Wrigley Field, because you know I'm a beer vendor at Wrigley Field. That's mm-hmm. my full time job when we're not." in the midst of a pandemic. Um, 
And I said, yeah, I'll be there as soon as uh, I'm done here. And he goes, well, can you get to the show a little early? And I was like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. I'm on the north side. Your show's on the south side. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll try to get there before Doris. Do you need help with something? And he said, yeah, Jimmy D had a family emergency. We need somebody to be our ring announcer. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> yes, I will get there. No worries. <laughs> so I actually gave my money and all my stuff to turn in to a friend that I trusted at the ballpark. So that way I could leave before the crowd. And I definitely did not do my makeup and hair all the way there in rush hour traffic. I never would have done that. No, yeah, absolutely not. And then when I got there, like, I was like, holy shnikes, I can't believe I'm going to ring announce. Oh, wait, I had just torn all the ligaments in my right ankle. I can't wear any sort of snazzy, dressy shoes because I have a walking cast on. <laughs> so I was like, oh, crap, I don't want to let this injury like take me away from this potentially once in a lifetime opportunity so basically i was like man girl if you could play roller derby on a broken foot for four months you could have ring announce on a busted up ankle for four or five hours you're fine so i taped the shit out of my ankle like insane heel lock perfect beautiful tape job like my trainers would have been so impressed <laughs> and then i wore motorcycle boots and strapped them up really really tight yeah. And nobody noticed. In fact, at the end of the night, Chris Hero, uh, he was on the show that night. He saw me in my walking boot. He goes, whoa, Val, what happened? I was like, oh, you know, I tore all these ligaments in my right ankle a couple months ago, like two months ago. So I got like two more months in the boot. I, I don't think I need to have surgery because I do prehab all the time. Like, you know, I'm always. And he's like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you did that after the show. I'm like, no, no. He's like, you got in and out of the ring how many times? With an ankle, and it, it was great because we like started comparing our horror stories of busted ankles. You know, uh. it's kind of nice. But um, yeah, so I ended up filling in for Jimmy D. He had a family emergency, and the first match I ever called was Ray Oris versus uh, Prince Mustafa Ali, and um, it ended in we had to call the match due to injury because. Ray Oris and uh, Ali are both phenomenal talents that are definitely high flyers. They can also kill it on the mat, but certainly in the high flyer realm. Um, they were doing dives, and Ali bounced off the barricade right off the bridge of his nose. And I remember looking at him, and both his eyes went opposite directions, like to the side of his – like, it was crazy. And – um so I look to the ref. I'm like, what do I do? Because I'm holding the ring mic. I'm holding the ring bell. I'm timing it because AAW times their matches. Uh -huh. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And I see the official throw up an X with his arms. Now, if you're not super familiar with wrestling, you would never know what that means. But if you're familiar with wrestling, that's they're calling the match due to injury. Mm -hmm. So I immediately ding, 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 you know, rang the bell, called the match due to injury. Ray Oris is the winner. <laughs> and then afterwards, we found out that Ali got a very severe concussion. Mm -hmm. He came out and he apologized to the crowd because he's a ding-dang angel, that guy. And then after the show, he apologized profusely to me because he, he knew that that was my first time ring announcing. And he felt so bad that I that he may have ruined my experience. Man. <laughs> when people say good guy Ali, they are not joking. That human, wonderful, wonderful guy. Yeah, but now now he's leading a... We don't want to talk about what he's leading now. <laughs> I mean, I'm supportive of him, but come on. Come on, make him look like the strong, beautiful powerhouse that he is. Anyway, 
So um, <laughs> that was, I you know, everything happens for a reason. I'm sure. I'm a firm believer in that. It's just what you do with the situations that life throws at you is is kind of what makes you who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, because sure, you get hit by a semi and lived. You're really not gonna like sweat the small stuff, but it's like the little things that really stick in my craw, like in a good way, like mm-hmm. that stick in my brain. Like having those moments where Chris Hero was like, "Oh my gosh, you're," and I was like, "Yeah, my uh, my foot went parallel to the floor, and you know I weigh like two twenty six, so like all that weight on top of me." That's how I talked in two thousand sixteen, by the way. Okay, yeah, we're, we're getting we're getting Val's voice through the years. On this yeah, podcast. I know, I know, but I was like two two and a quarter at the time or something like that. I think was my actual weight, not just my build weight, you uh-huh. know, like my actual derby weight. Um, so you know, all that weight on my ankle it tore all the ligaments on the outside and he was just like dumbfounded and i was like yeah but whatever you just power through and like with ali the injury and me just like rolling with the punches like could be way worse i'm not the one on the ground concussed i'm the one on the microphone that has to make sure the situation's okay for everybody here in the audience that is so uneasy right now in this very moment let's make them smile let's distract them so that he could get the medical attention he mm-hmm. needs and it's funny because i never really thought about it until somebody else brought it up <clears throat> But that show is called Defining Moment. And like, boy, if that ain't accurate. Because <laughs> never mind that, you know, the adversity of the injured ankle for me, the adversity mm-hmm. of the first match I ever got to ring announce being called due to injury. But like, holy shnikes, this is like a new road that I'm about to travel, that defining moment of saying, you know what? Yes, I will work that show. I've never done ring announcing in my life. I have no idea what I'm doing. I go to every show, but that doesn't mean I watch like every single detail like homework i mean i do now but you know i used to be the (laughs) i used to be at every single show like dancing and skanking whenever they'd announce space monkey at (laughs) at bottom lounge or at logan square auditorium for freelance like i never went to any of the abbey shows which is kind of funny because Mm -hmm. i used to work the door at the abbey like the same person that booked at fireside bowl also booked the room at the abbey and the bottom lounge how crazy wow right hello freelance it was destiny dude um but so like you know i'd always be like lady marking out at every show when we were at bottom lounge you would bang on the mat like isaiah's velasquez ali and gpa that match like i will never forget that as long as i live like just banging on the mat so excited about everything and oh so good i never like i never knew that i would be able to do this as a as a job as a career mm-hmm. as a whatever but um that one opportunity i got in 2016 i ran with it i got some positive feedback like constructive and just supportive as well like constructive criticism and supportive comments as well um and then the opportunity kind of disappeared because jimmy d is a stallion and doesn't miss like ever mm-hmm. so there was no opportunity and then unfortunately my very dear friend and I don't want to say good brother, but you know what I mean? Kirby, who is the voice of freelance and freelance underground and uh-huh. the majority of indie wrestling here in Chicago. Yeah. Basically anything other than AAW. Correct. Kirby does. Yeah. So it's like Jimmy D and Kirby, like yeah. two of the greatest dudes to hold a microphone in Chicago ever. Mm-hmm. Well, Kirby got very ill. And so Andy Long, who had seen me or heard me or something, um, ring announced at AAW was like, Hey, you're always at every show anyway. Do you want to work at Baderbrow 
we're at the brewery. Kirby's ill. We need a backup. Do you want to be that guy? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Matt Nix, who is the founder owner of Freelance, was on that show. And I was like, hey, Nix, um, do you have a ring announcer for tomorrow? Is Do you have somebody to fill in for Kirby? And he was like, actually, I was going to ask you if you wanted to. So then I worked a show the very next night. And then while Kirby recuperated, because he wasn't physically able to do the the job, because um, it doesn't seem like ring announcing would be strenuous or physical, but it certainly is. I get way more stressed out when I'm yeah. ring announcing than when I was playing roller derby. You Absolutely. Know? I mean, the, the, the amount <clears throat> of effort you need to put into mm-hmm. everything and literally like the time you need to have. Yeah. And just like the stress of like you're hosting. Yeah. The show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So while Kirby was recuperating, I got to play the part of ring announcer. You know, I got I got to do that. And it was so great. And then thankfully, a few months later, when he was physically able to be back on the mic, Matt Nix um, was like, hey, so Kirby's our guy, but I really like you being our guy or being a part of the family. I don't want to lose you. Can I create a job for you? And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, you obviously love wrestling. The fans love you. You love the fans. Like, let's do this. What about, I feel like you'd be really good at being a backstage correspondent. I was like, well, freelance doesn't have one. And he's like, yeah, I know. I want to create that job for you. I was like, hell yeah. So then I went and became the backstage correspondent at freelance, freelance underground. Eventually, uh, Steve Tortorello, whose birthday it actually is today, Principal Steve, from Warrior Wrestling, um, he was at one of the freelance shows, and it was right after they ran their first Warrior Wrestling show. He said, "Would you be interested in working with Warrior?" And I was like, "Well, let me go see what you guys do. I'm going to your show tomorrow night, or whenever it was." And then I loved it. And this is Warrior One, right? Uh, yeah, Warrior One. I was working freelance because Kirby was on the mic for Warrior One. So it was Warrior 2, I went oh, okay. and just watched as a fan. Because Warrior 1, when they first advertised that and everyone saw that, no one thought it was real. Yeah, I thought it was fake. Yeah, it's like, I this legitimately is the weirdest. Was like, there's the, no way. Like, there's no way. This is not real. Yeah. So that's why I went to the second one. I'm like, all right, let me see what it's about. Uh, um, plus, it's like far from the city yeah. that I'm used to. Like, I love Chicago every inch of it, but I never would ever be like yeah so let me go watch wrestling at marion catholic because like it wasn't something that was in my brain in my way on my wavelength just because it's like i live on the north side Mm -hmm. now even if i wasn't working warrior i would be at every single show because every single show is so good and it's like gospel truth like blows my mind how steve and eric his right hand dude how they put it together i have no idea but it's like they go What's the craziest possibility of a match you could ever see in person? Let's do that. And somehow they do. And it's great because a lot of the money, like a significant portion of the proceeds from each show gets donated back to the school, to the kids that go there that couldn't afford to go there otherwise. So it sets up scholarships for kids, which to me is like so important. Give back to the community that gives me so much. Like, how can Mm -hmm. I help? You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, Steve asked me to come on board, and now I'm the backstage correspondent for Warrior as well. And then, because my life is a series of WTF, this crazy pandemic happened, and everything kind of got put on pause. Now, I was out working in Arizona 
for spring training for the Cubs. Uh-huh. I had to find my way back to Chicago. I came back to no work, no anything. Uh, Tall Dad and I split a duplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 72. I help him out. He helps me out. He's cool. We have a good tag team. I live in the upstairs. He lives in the downstairs. So when I'm driving home from Arizona across the country, he's like, hey, kiddo, I know you live in the upstairs, but I'm really not feeling well, and I don't know what it is. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I've been sick for about two weeks now, and it hasn't gotten better, so I really think you should probably stay at a friend's house for the weekend just so I can see what's going on. I was like, oh, okay. Well, the weekend turned into two months of me living at an Airbnb because he was seriously gravely ill. Turns out he had COVID. Wow. Yeah. Pretty devastating. Pretty devastating. So I had no job. I was paying two rents, Uh (laughs) like on the duplex and then also at the Airbnb. Everything was hella frustrating. And then Matt Nix and Frank Spahik, who work here at Pro Wrestling Tees, reached out. And they were like, hey, dude, we know you're kind of screwed as far as baseball is concerned. Do you want to come and work at Pro Wrestling Tees again? Because I always work here during the holidays, kind of like you do. I help out for crates and, you know, any of the Black Friday sales. And so knock on wood, because Frank, the GM, and Ryan Barkin, the owner, were like, no, Val's not a total jerk. Let's get her some work. So now I'm like heat pressing here full time, and I work the store, and it's great because I get to talk about wrestling all day. Tall Dad is healthy again, by the way. He's uh-huh. still he's not 100%. And anybody that thinks not to get super political, anybody that thinks it's just a flu is probably very wrong. Yeah. Because um, my dad still has issues today. And this is basically November. He was sick in March. So just saying. Anyway, but in the process of all this, I started talking with Principal Steve and Eric at Warrior. And they were like, hey, we know that We don't want to put you in an awkward position, so you you could say no, but we're potentially running a show. And I was like, yo, no. Uh Uh-uh. I'm a high-risk jag-off. I have no spleen because of my car accident. I do have Crohn's disease, which means my immune system's already impaired. By the way, I'm on immunosuppressants because of that. Oh, and just, you know, for shits and giggles, I also have asthma. I can't risk being around people Uh. during this time. And they're like, well, it's outdoors, if that would change your mind at all and i was like actually on the football stadium outdoors and can i wear my mask the whole time i said absolutely we will in fact we'll make you a warrior wrestling mask i'm like oh my gosh that's amazing and i'm like what am i going to be doing and they said well you're going to be interviewing people if you feel comfortable if not we just want you to be there if you feel comfortable um the women's match we would like for you to ring announce anytime there is a high profile women's match meaning for the title or a number one contendership Mm -hmm. because principal steve is awesome and he told me he's like i want to showcase the strength of women's wrestling as often as i can and it's not just the women in the ring it's officials and ring announcers etc so anytime there's a high important match i want you to be the ring announcer so people will hear women in wrestling i'm like oh my god that's so cool So I said, yeah, I'll do it. And Friday Night Lights went off, and it was amazing. Like, it was so great. And then we had the Warrior Wrestling Stadium Series. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, with that, Rich uh, Bacini, who's, who's like the lead commentator for Warrior, he lives in Gainesville, Florida. So he wasn't able to make it out for, I want to say Friday Night Lights. Yeah. 
So as I'm getting ready to interview people, like my usual cutting promos with folks, and I'm doing the one ring announcing slot, they were like, by the way, we want you on commentary. And I was like, um, well, I've never, I've never done commentary. And uh, Rich was like, oh, shush, I've, I've heard your roller derby commentary. You've done it for over fifth, you know, decade and a half, whatever. Mm-hmm. You can do this. And Principal Steve said, you can do this. And Eric said, you can do this. And Nick Houseman, the other voice of Warrior Wrestling, and Kirby all said, you can do this. And I was like, well, damn, that's a whole lot of dudes telling me I can do this. I might as well try. And so now I'm a commentator, too. And actually, it's kind of crazy because it brought me a bit of full circle because now I also work for Zello Pro, and I only do commentary there. And who's my partner? Jimmy D, the man who I filled in for as a ring announcer he does commentary i had no idea he does commentary yeah he's the lead commentator and i do i do color so interesting it's kind of crazy so yeah it's a whole lot of conversation right there i'm so sorry for stretching it out but the long and the short of it is take a chance on yourself you never know how (laughs) awesome your life will be if you just say screw it they have faith in me i should too yeah, so. abs- absolutely, and 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 don't ever apologize for talking. This is a, <laughs> this is a podcast. It'd be really <laughs> yeah. awkward if we just sat here silently. Um, but I I think that like you really hit the the entire arc of your like wrestling career almost, and you you hit the nail on the head. Like, don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid. Like, li- the the biggest thing I think that I take from that is listen to what other people are telling you when they say you can do it. Yeah. I think that's the hardest thing. Like if you're unsure about yourself, it's so easy to think, think like they're just being nice. No, if people are taking the time to tell you, you can do it and like encouraging you to do something, uh-huh. they see something in you. Cause it takes a lot of effort to try to break that wall down. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like imposter syndrome runs rampant in my brain constantly, but the the good thing about it is I was like, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? I was already hit by a semi. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then um, I have such wonderfully supportive people around me, yourself included. Um, my camera person, Catherine, at um, Warrior Wrestling. Nobody like ever sees her unless they're working on a specific shoot with me. But she is so integral in like my sanity saving. <laughs> like every single show, she like helps me work out the segments. And I mean, it's just so great. And like the support that I get there and freelance and freelance underground and now Zello. And I mean, like, I just work the collective. <laughs> uh. Let me tell you, <laughs> I go to Mania every year because since WrestleMania 2, you know, I mean, I haven't gone every single year yeah. since then, but mania is very important to me royal rumble is my favorite wwe pay-per-view for the record yeah um but wrestlemania is very important to me one because it's how i found out about women's wrestling at the age of seven excuse me um two because it showcases the top tier of indie talents the entire week surrounding it and as like the dirty punk rocker in me that loves the diy aspect i love that wrestlemania is not just the showcase of the immortals mm-hmm. it's also the showcase of all the talent that it takes to get to that point for that week it's like wrestle christmas hanukkah kwanzaa birthday pride parade everything all at once it's everything that people in wrestling work for strive for whether it be as a talent or as a fan 
like that's what you look forward to because you know it's going to be the best of the best of the best and so I was super stoked because one of my other huge passions is Disney so mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in Florida um, I typically when we're not amidst a pandemic I go like at least once a month to Disney because I don't have kids for a reason I am an adult child <laughs> um, also because of my flexible schedule with the Cubs uh-huh. when the Cubs are away I go to Florida and I visit my friends and family there and um, go to see NXT all the time and uh, I have like a really awesome life there so I was super stoked that it was in Tampa where like I can't say my favorite cousin because the rest of my cousins would kill me but Jilly's definitely like right up there I mean I, I've seen Katy Perry with her so duh clearly yeah. I love her oh yeah that's number one then duh yeah but anyway so my cousin Jill lives there with her husband Mike uh, that she's married to Brian and her kids Kayla and Dylan who are phenomenal and so I was so excited I'm like mania week I'm gonna see my cousin who's like a big sister to me and her amazing kids and husband we're gonna go to Disney World this is gonna be brilliant oh my gosh the collective week oh can't wait oh maybe I can work Effie's big gay brunch because I'm a bisexual woman so for me it was like super important to see if I could get involved and I've worked with Effie a bunch on freelance I'm like hell yeah this is gonna be great and then the pandemic happened and I was like oh as everybody pretty pretty rocked from it but then there was murmurs of okay we're gonna try it again in October and I was like well I had such a really good experience working warrior and I felt very safe there in August and September. Let me reach out again. And so I said, hey, freelance, you're part of the showcase, freelance and freelance underground. Can I help in any way? Like whether it be just to grab ring gear or, mm-hmm. or to cut promos or whatever you need, or I'll just, you know, seeing how Indianapolis is, seeing how I'm feeling. Of course, you got to play it by ear. And James, who's one of the owners and bookers for freelance underground, was like, no, we want you on commentary. I was like, holy shnikes. I can't believe I get to do commentary for freelance. And then I was like, okay, cool. So that turns into me and Effie talking. He's like, hey, girl, sorry I've been hella busy, but I hear you're going to be at the collective. I would love it if you would co-host the show. And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, I kind of want to do a hybrid thing where you do ring announcing and commentary. I was like, yes. Because he knows I'm a bi woman. He knows I'm a part of the queer community. Um Although people there were like, I thought it was only supposed to be queer people working the show. I was like, ooh, bi much? But that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I was like, well, that's cool. I'm a queer woman. It's fine. Um, so I ended up ring announcing with uh, Jay Rose. He and I split the show, mm-hmm. which was great. And I was supposed to do commentary, but like Billy Dixon and MB Young were wrestling on that show and that show only. And I was like, these two are such phenomenal talents they deserve the mic time on commentary. So like I stepped back from that and just only did ring announcing. Um, and then I ended up ring announcing, which I still can't say the saying these words out loud is like crazy to me, but like shimmer, like shimmer is so important to me as, um, a fan of women's wrestling as a female fan of wrestling, as a human being Mm -hmm. shimmer is so I'm getting choked up. Shimmer is so important to me. So <clears throat> the fact that I got to ring announce for that was like, whew. sorry. Um, didn't really think that that would be the one to get me, but I guess it was. Um, yeah. So the collective was a very interesting experience overall. Mm-hmm. And I got tested before and I got tested after and 
I definitely didn't do any after parties or anything like that. I just, I went straight to my hotel room and like listened to watch the broadcast of For the Culture on Friday night. And like, you know, that's what I did for the collective weekend. But um, having that experience was like so surreal that in March I was hoping to get to go there as a fan. And by October, I got to work three shows. And, um, sorry, like all three were so important to me. It was just like mind blowing that I got to be a part of it all. So basically once again, through the tears, here I go, take a chance <laughs> on yourself, you yeah. know, cause if you don't know one else, well, absolutely. And I think the, the fact that it, it means so much to you, even just talking about it shows like how, how in it like deeply rooted the passion is and i yeah. think it's something that everyone should take out take away from this interview specifically and i think the podcast in general is like follow follow your heart and like jump at opportunities um and don't ever think that something's impossible right it, i mean because like what's the worst that's gonna happen i mean i definitely flubbed up a couple things on each one of those shows but at the end of the day, I had such positive feedback on all three. I mean, it's it's so great. And I learned so much. Like, just on Shimmer alone, getting to learn from Alice in Danger, mm. watching her work in the back and talking it over with the girls and, like, just watching how they worked in the back is, like, such an invaluable experience. Like, I, I legit was like her little shadow and just like took notes at everything she and just like it was such a great experience like working with dave prazek i mean shimmer was so cool Mm. and i think for people that don't know shimmer like shimmer has been around for like 15 years something like that and it it was like the first all women's yeah wrestling company that took wrestling seriously and i mean here's the thing is that part of the reason that i was super attracted to going to shimmer was because they always have been the 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 participants of every match are always treated like humans first. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the fact that they're called Shimmer Women Athletes and it's mm-hmm. not just like TNA wrestling, not to dog on what's now known as Impact, yeah. but you know what I mean? <laughs> like Yes. I mean, they've always taken it seriously. I've always felt comfortable at Shimmer shows. Uh, as a fan, like I typically always sit ringside with one of my best friends, Vince, like, and don't get me wrong. There are the improper creeps that show up Mm -hmm. and, uh, shimmer takes care of that right away. Like whether it be the other fans that are sitting with you in the audience or, you know, loudmouth me Uh (laughs) or just shimmer management, they will straight up remove people if they're inappropriate. And it's so great because like, (sighs) I'm trying to think of when Vince and I first started going to Shimmer together. It's been a while. But now there's kids in the audience. I didn't always see a ton of kids at women's wrestling mm-hmm. because it was more like a spectacle yeah. rather than the athletic competition that it is. You know what I mean? So seeing these little girls and, and little boys ringside that are like cheering for the athletes in the ring. I mean, it's really cool to see. Because if I could have had that at age seven, I mean... I'm very thankful for the life that I live. But if, you know, if I would have had something more like shimmer and less like what women's wrestling has always been treated as up Uh until recently, who knows? Maybe I would have been a wrestler instead of a ring announcer. Yeah. 
yeah, and I think that uh, and not to discredit ring announcing at all, by the way, because I no, love what no, I do. Absolutely, and I think that that really highlights like the importance you have in in the wrestling industry as well, because representation matters. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think just seeing more people, because there's not a ton of women ring announcers. I mean, the really only one I could think of before was Lucha Underground. Oh, Melissa Santos. Yeah, Melissa yeah, she's Santos. great, and she's so nice. Yeah, she's very very nice. She's she's worked on Warrior a couple yep. times, so because Brian Cage is Correct. everywhere on Warrior. Well, yeah, he was our initial. The, I mean, yeah, he, he was our our inaugural champion. But um, no, there aren't a lot of women. No. Uh, in ring announcing uh, or commentating, right? Even oh, less in commentating. Yeah. Well, Sarah Shockey, Sarah Joy Shockey. Yeah. What a delight! I think. I mean, the only ones I can think of is Sarah Joy, Sarah Joy Shockey. And Beth Phoenix. Well, yeah, and that's pretty good company to be in league with. Yeah. So thank you. Hopefully one day I'll be as good as the two of them. But um, Alicia from NXT, she's also phenomenal. And oh yes, you know it's interesting because I I remember and I'm a very confident female. I take pride in in my size, my age, my ethnicity, whatever. You know, like because you'd be amazed at how many anti-Semitic people there are in the world. But it's becoming less. Uh, it's just yeah, like they're, they're making themselves a little more known now. Yeah. Which thank you for that. You scumbags. But yeah. I don't ever judge people based on things like that. I let mm-hmm. I let how they are as a human dictate how I respond to them personally. But you know what I mean? But anyway, so being like, I think I weigh 195 now, but being a quote unquote larger woman has sometimes worked against me. But I work with companies that are like, no, we love you. We don't care. Like, I don't need to be built like Brandy Rhodes to be a successful ring announcer. But that mm-hmm. being said, because, you know, she started as Eden Styles. Yeah. Right. I mean, she started in TV, but uh, working in wrestling, she was Eden Styles. But that being said, why not people like Eden Styles? Why not Charlie Caruso? Why not, you know, why not Val Capone? Like, Sometimes I do get a little bit of clap back from people because of my size because people are like, oh, she looks like she could beat up all the wrestlers. And like my favorite was when somebody started going off about me and how I look. Mm-hmm. And I Candy Elliott, who was the um, inaugural legacy freelance legacy mm-hmm. champion. Um, he was like, well, she could. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and all the negative comments stopped immediately right after that. I was like, thanks, dude. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're probably not wrong. Yeah. But it's I think it's important for uh people that are not a size 2 mm-hmm. or 22 to see, you know, that there are others out there like them so mm-hmm. that they can do it too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's a great message kind of to leave off on. Um Number one, follow your dreams. And two, don't ever think you can't do anything. But Val, you spent all this time just chatting with me. Crying in the t-shirt shop. <laughs> I mean, where else are you going to cry? I yeah. Mean, um, where can people find you on on the internet? I assume in pandemic, you only want people finding you on the internet for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Uh, feel free to go to ProWrestlingTees.com and pick up my t-shirt. 
Ooh, you mean that top selling t-shirt? Uh, well, I'm no longer on the top sellers well, list, but it, I was it, for a couple it, weeks. Once you're there, you're always there. Just I like got... Mick Foley's always a, a New York Times bestselling author. <laughs> he's not on the charts anymore, but he's always a New York Times bestselling author. Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, Matt Nix approached me one day. It was like, hey, let's make you a t-shirt. And he always calls me Val Capone. And he's always like, Val Capone, Val Capone, Val Capone is my homie. So he and one of the designers here at Pro Wrestling Tees, Julio, made up a Val Capone is my homie t-shirt. And it was legit on the top sellers list for like two, three weeks, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Cody Rhodes bumped me off, but that's okay. It's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can uh, grab one of those and then come and pick it up in the store and say hi. Or you can uh, follow me on Twitter. It's just at Val Capone. Um, on Instagram, it's Valfonts because I'm named after Alphonse Capone. The name's not Valerie. Um, it's V-A-L-P-H-O-N-S-E. And uh, me and one of my best dudes, Patrick Pryor, we do a podcast about wrestling uh, from a different perspective. As he always says, he's just a black guy who likes wrestling. If he had a t-shirt, that would be it. And I'm a woman that likes wrestling. So, you know, a person of color, a woman, a different perspective, perhaps, than some of the other wrestling podcasts, podcasts you may have listened to. And yeah, support your local roller derby. What, what's the name of that podcast? Uh, I'm so sorry. Scheduled for one fall. Okay. Which is hilarious that that's the name of it. And I'm also a ring announcer. Like, yeah. I had no designs in that. Patrick picked it. And then somebody put us together, and it just worked out really well. We work really well together. And it turns out I'm also a ring announcer, so how funny. Yeah. It's meant yeah. to be. Yeah. Meant to be. Meant to be. Well, Val, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. The second time. This time, it worked. <laughs> Everyone's going to give you a chance to listen to it. Maybe one day I'll do like a, like a bonus episode with just like small clips of maybe something we didn't talk about here and what I was I'm able Jeez, to kind I of talked put together. about a lot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, Sorry. it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I think your story is definitely something that everyone will enjoy listening to. Um, and I hopefully inspire someone to follow their passion, whether it be wrestling related or anything else. Um, but as we kind of leave off on this chat, I want to thank everyone who's listened to this podcast. Remember, you this podcast comes out every Tuesday on all major podcast platforms. You can reach us at What Do You Like Podcast on Instagram, at WDYL Podcast on Twitter, or you can go to our website, WhatDoYouLikePodcast.com. It's always a pleasure to bring this podcast to you. It's always a pleasure to talk to wonderful guests like Val, um, and I hope to see you next time.